Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Friday evening edition of The Yard, much later than I wanted to be, but it's been a busy day. It has been one of those days that, uh, you know, you laid a plan out. Next thing you know, it, uh, you get things that pop up and you got to work through it. But here we are. And I know many of you listen to the show on the weekend, so here we are. And uh, tomorrow, I'm basically all I'm going to do is uh, go to football media opportunity. Uh, tomorrow night is the first scrimmage. Players seem to be ready to go. Got there and played real football. Not just some team drills, but got there and, and uh, kind of worked through a real scrimmage opportunity. We'll speak with coordinators tomorrow, and you can uh, find that content for free over at jeanspage.com. I was just counting. We've already got like nine articles for the day. I don't know what your local paper has done today, but we've done nine articles today on a variety of topics. Uh, most of that football coverage. And... Um, I'll run it down for you real quick because this will be this article will be the tenth of the day for us. But um, kind of got it all started with uh, Mike Nemus Nemo's notes, and then Robbie Falk with the hundred day Bulldog countdown. Twenty two days. That's right. With Nathan Pickering and Simeon Rice, then Paul Jones comes back with a VIP peach. Three things I know. Three things I think I know. Q&A with Nick Mitchell, backup linebacker at Mississippi State. The training camp, day seven depth chart. That's a free piece. Chad Bumpus interview. Hey, go be dangerous, Bumpus tells Bulldog Whiteouts. as penned by our David Murray. Then I had a piece, uh, one-on-one interview with Coach Chris Simonis about Mississippi State's portal hall. He kind of breaks down each player and kind of how it all came to be. Then we've got a uh, video interview with the uh, Former Penn State running back, Kevon Lee. I think he's going to be an interesting piece for us. And then most recent piece is the uh, Friday Notebook, penned by Dave Murray. So a lot of things today to read about, to watch. If you're looking for your fill of Mississippi State sports coverage, you can find it over at jeanspage.com. Got an army of people uh, working hard to do a great job for you. In addition to that, you'll have this show. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll try to uh, replicate that. Tomorrow, I'll also have a Deshaun Page feature that will run for free over Gene's page. I'll get up, get moving around, you know, get the dogs going, and uh, we'll do that. Then we'll have our breakdown with our coordinators as they preview the scrimmage. There'll be a whole lot of that, what are you expecting type question. You know, what are you looking for? You know, there'll be a lot of that as we preview that. And then we'll have an opportunity on Sunday to speak with Coach Zach Arnett uh, after a bit of a uh, abbreviated practice on Sunday evening is they kind of clean up a few things from the scrimmage just to kind of get his reaction of where things happened in the stadium and kind of where we are. So just to kind of let you know what's going on in the world of Mississippi State football uh, for this weekend. And then we'll get ready to do it all again. We're not going to have too many more viewing opportunities, you know, to get, uh, you know, Ideas of where everybody's uh, sitting depth chart-wise and things like that. That's all uh, going to wind down a little bit. We'll start getting into the business of football now because, uh, you know, three weeks from tomorrow, 
We're going to open with southeastern Louisiana. Excited about that, like all of you are. Uh, also, just around 200 season tickets remain available. Getting down to the nitty-gritty, if you're on the fence, please go ahead and take the plunge. Be a caretaker of this era of Mississippi State football. Uh, it's going to be a big year. And it's one of those things, too, that I'm so happy to see that our fans are getting behind this new staff, getting behind Zach Arnett. It's like, you know what, hey, I didn't buy season tickets last year, maybe not the year before. Maybe you couldn't in 2020. They limited capacity. But you're like, you know what? I'm going to throw my support behind Zach Arnett. That's a wonderful thing. And how cool will it be? And I think it's just a matter of days now before they make the announcement that all available season tickets for Mississippi State football have been sold. It won't be a school record. As you guys know, we did kind of reduce capacity. We talked about that on a show recently. You know, we put the balconies in. Uh, that took capacity down just a little bit. So the 2015 school record is safe until we expand the stadium. But regardless of that, congratulations to all of you. I've already started seeing some of the uh, Facebook and social media postings about your tickets coming in. Let me remind you, as always, do not tweet out or post your barcodes because somebody can steal your tickets. So don't do that. I know you're excited. Look what came today. That's super cool. Don't post your barcodes. Don't do it. Because there's some pirate out there that's going to take it. Not the good pirate like Mike Leach, but there's always somebody out there trying to uh, They'll take your tickets and then turn that into a uh, selling opportunity for themselves. And they'll sell your tickets to somebody else. And then you'll show up on game day all excited, all decked out in your maroon and white. And you're not going to be able to gain entry into the, into the complex because of the fact your ticket's already been used. Because you posted the barcode. Don't do it. I'm just telling you. I'm being your friend here. Don't do it. Lots to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, freshman newcomers. Had a lot of reaction. A lot of people reached out about the uh, transfer guys, about you know, what we expected. I think some people were surprised. Some of those guys weren't quite as accomplished as maybe they thought. Because a lot of times we're ranking these guys based off high school rankings, and then you know they, they haven't had a chance to really get on the field and prove and show what they can do. So it's an inexact science, to say the least. But uh, today we're going to talk about, you know, which freshman. I'm going to run through the freshman and who we expect to play this year. That's always a big question. What freshman can make an impact this year? I'm going to break it down for you today. Now, I had a chance to watch a lot of these guys uh, in high school, more to the point, saw their film. And now we've had a chance to kind of see them in practice, to kind of see how they're acclimating to life on the college level. And so I'll share with you my thoughts through, you know, two weeks of practice who I expect to, uh, to make a contribution this year. We'll also talk about South Carolina. That's a Bulldog opponent. We'll talk about them. Uh, we'll touch on a little bit what Chris Simonos had to say today about the portal. But, again, this is mainly a football show and a pretty special top ten uh, for me as we commemorate the moment, the day, that we lost uh, one of the best song and dance men of the 1980s on the rock side. We're going to talk about that today. But um, we'll get back next week. Uh, kind of give you a programming note, too. I, I told you guys I thought we'd be on schedule. I didn't realize I was going to be traveling as much as I have been. It's been a busy stretch. I was in Knoxville, got home, went to Hattiesburg, came back the next day. Uh, wife was home for a couple days. She's now back in Knoxville. And then I'll be back in Knoxville. 
and then we'll both be back here. You know, so there's a lot of a lot of you know moving around, and that's that's even passing on some other trips. I got people all the time that are like, "Hey, we hadn't seen you guys in forever. Uh, Will you head to the coast?" Well, we'd love to, if I could find the time to do it. I, I told Dana earlier. I said, you know, some, some days I walk around and I feel totally exhausted, and and that's just me being totally honest with you. And I'm like, man, why am I so tired? I don't understand. Well, you know, yeah, I wrote a book this summer, starting a business. And then in addition to all that, trying to do the day job too, you know, navigating through some stuff with all that stuff. I mean, you know, it's, I'm looking forward to uh, things settling at the end of this month and we're starting to get there, obviously. Um, and just kind of focus on the jeans page gig, right? Uh, gonna have a big announcement too about uh, a promotion we're going to do on this podcast. No purchase required. You don't have to be a subscriber to anything. You could just be a listener. And uh, we're going to do that in the coming days. It's going to give you a chance to win some cool stuff absolutely free. That's it. I'm going to post some questions on this show. And then you're going to tweet me or message me your answers. And... Um, and then I'm going to pick winners at random out of the correct entries, and we're going to give you a chance to win some cool stuff just by listening to the show. Now, it's, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to just tell it now. It's not going to be easy. And you don't have to get all 10 questions correct. But you got to get enough correct. Like if, there's, if you get eight correct and 10 people get all 10 correct, well, then thanks for playing. So we'll, we'll share the details of that very soon. So something cool just by being a listener to this show and then answering these questions, you got a chance to win something, and it's not something insignificant. I'm not going to send you a T-shirt, unless you want one. I've probably got a couple Rock Vegas shirts still hanging around here. I could send you one of those, but um, what we're going to offer is uh, baseball-related, and uh, let's just say it's uh, not cheap. Not cheap. But I'll have more details on that uh, soon. And, and again, I get people every day hit me up about um, this new business my wife and I are opening. Uh, we are finalizing the lease now. That's a very long process. And I'll be honest with you, if I never have to do that again, it'll be too soon. Honest to goodness. So happy to get that resolved. And, uh, you know, got my lawyer reviewing some documents now. Casey Lott is my lawyer and has been for several years. And uh, if you are in need of legal representation... I encourage you to give Casey Lott. That's an, that is an unpaid advertisement and endorsement. Casey is my friend, and uh, I got to know him by hiring him. And uh, we had lunch in Starkville, and uh, it, there are a lot of times, too, I'll have questions. And I was like, hey, man, I want to make sure I don't run afoul of anything. But uh, I got Casey reviewing some documents for me this weekend. We'll finalize a lease. Finally have that close and uh, met today at the, at the space and uh, met with the contractor. So, you know, we're close to finalizing some things where I can just kind of hand control of this over to some other people. You know, here's the keys to the building. There are a few things they got to do to get it ready for us. And so we're still hopeful to have it open by the end of the year. That's what I want. I can promise you. That's exactly what I want if I got to get in there and swing hammers myself. You know, uh, happy to have this coming, but not just because of the fact that, hey, Dana and I will be able to have a regular life 24-7, you know, like many of you. That's an underappreciated part of marriage for those of you that don't understand that. 
Uh, being able to wake up with and go to bed each night with uh, your significant other is uh, something that is very good for my mental health. I'm sure it is for you guys, too. I hate being away from where I do. I do. There were times you know, you're like, well, it'd be okay. Now, after as much time as I've been away, it has not been good. But, uh, but all that said, we'll have that for you soon. And uh, I, one of the coolest things about this, I'm just ready for you all to be able to experience this. If that sounds right. Right? It's not just about, hey, we're going to open a business. We want it to be successful. And that's true. And I would feel that way if I was opening another Mexican restaurant, if I was opening up a sandwich place, if I was opening up a taco truck. You know, we want to be successful. But I also, when we got ready to pick out a business, I thought I want to do something that is super cool, nobody else has, be a unique experience, and uh, also be very beneficial to the residents and visitors of Starkville, Mississippi. I'm ready to be, I'm going to be there a lot. You know, it's not, I'm not just going to be working from home. Why would I work from home when I can go down there and work in the office down there and be around her all the time, right? I mean, you know, it's part of the deal. But I'm going to be there a lot, and I'm ready to kind of see you guys when you have a chance to go float in our float therapy spa to see your reaction when you come out, to see the benefits in your life. And so uh, we're going to be talking about that a lot, you know, as we get closer. But uh, a lot going on, and your good friend and host is ready to kind of take some things off my plate and put them onto somebody else because football season's about to be here. And I want to be completely focused on Mississippi State football. And uh, that's what you guys want, too. I th- again, I think it's going to be a great year. But it's been an extremely busy summer for me. So, again, next week we'll do our regular scheduled show Monday. We'll do our regular scheduled show Wednesday. Your Friday show will actually come to you on Saturday. Unless I just, just you know, decide to bring this stuff with me. But, and I may do that. But I'll apprise you of that on Wednesday. Because Wednesday's a travel day for me after the show. So I'll let you know next week to expect a show Friday or Saturday. I may be able to pull it off on Friday. But I'll let you know. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Speaking of people always pulling it off. That's Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company, man. I do. I love the fact that they're adding some cool things like the tap takeovers. Uh, we've advertised a few of those for them. And there's also live music events there in Tupelo. Man, so many other places you could go eat. But why would you bother? I mean, honestly, when you want to sit down and have a great meal, put your feet under a table that's been cleaned to be served by somebody that uh, cares that you're there. Have your food prepared by people that want you to come back. You know, service is such a, a rare thing these days, and it's a shame. We talk about all the things that are wrong in society. You know, recently I you know, had a bad service experience. It was just no fault of my own, and all of a sudden they treat me like I've got some sense of entitlement to expect to get what I pay for. I've never been treated that way at Bulldog Burger Company because they just wouldn't allow it. That's just not who they are or what they're about. You're going to get quality service. You're going to get a quality meal. You're going to get it at a great price. There's no better place to dine in Starkville, Mississippi than Bulldog Burger Company. You can add that great location in Tupelo on Gloucester Street in Lake Harbor Drive and Ridge and Flowood area. I mean, yeah, you could go a lot of places, but why bother? Go get the spring rolls for your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Get the chocolate shake to go. Get the bread pudding. Enjoy yourself. Bulldog Burger Company, what a great place to eat, a great place to work, a great place to have an adult beverage. They've got you covered all the way around. Go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. 
M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about these freshman football players. It's a good class. It is a good class. Uh, is it a great class? I don't know. You know, composite rank now is 37. And, uh, you know, it, it was top 25 on signing day, but there's been some changes. I mean, there always is. It's all a little ebb and flow. And I think for a program like State, as long as we can stay in the top 30, we're going to be good. And every so often it seems like we have that one class that just, you know, things don't work out or whatever. But I like this class. I, I do. And so we're going to start – with the highest rated player in the class and the guy that I expect to have an immediate impact. I don't think he starts this year. I think he plays a lot. I think in year two, he probably is a starter. We're talking wide receiver Creed Whittemore. At FW Buckholz High School in Gainesville, Florida, got to give Steve Spurrier Jr. a lot of credit here. Steve uh, has a relationship with the dad, who was also a, uh, a coach, they were in the high school ranks. His older brother went to the University of Florida. There was some discussion about possibly having him transfer here. He ends up going to UCF. State never pushed for a commitment. But here's the deal. You know, Creed's a guy, too, that you can run some gadget plays with because he was a high school quarterback. You know, and with all the motion and misdirection and counters and things that we do, you're going to lose track of people and you're going to stress the defense. And you got a guy like Creed that's more than just a ball carrier and a pass catcher. You better be mindful of 85 because you know what? He may just pull that ball up and, and sling it down the field. He's got the arm to do it. I fully expect Creedman Woodmore to be in some uh, gadget plays during his career here at Mississippi State. I, I do. I do expect him to play a lot. I've been very impressed. And, and you, the son of a coach you expect – to kind of do the little things, right? Because it's been stressed to them their whole life. He's not just getting bound athleticism. This guy's an extremely high football IQ. I saw recently, I guess it was 247 Sports, mentioned Creed Whitmore as the freshman most likely to make an impact. I completely agree. Completely. Number two guy. Also, the second highest rated guy. We'll, we'll just go rankings all the way down. It's Isaac Smith. I touched on him on the Wednesday show. I love him. Uh, love his ability, love his length, love the fact that he's going to be get out there and make some big plays. Comes from a football family himself. His dad was a college football player, spent some time at Ole Miss. But Isaac Smith is that dude. As the kids say, he is Hemothy. This is one of these guys that will absolutely get after you. He will hit you. He has great catch radius, uh, really good foot speed, really great football instincts. I think he plays a lot this year. I think he's probably a starter next year may work his way into the starting lineup this year just because of our needs at the position. Now, as of late, Jacoby Albert has come on, done a really good job. You know what you have in Sean Preston, Marcus Banks. I think that group is rounding into form. But I think Isaac Smith's also going to be a guy that's going to play a lot this year. And it's not just because of the fact it's an emergent need positionally. I think he's just simply that talented. So it's kind of the perfect storm of, hey, we have a need. We've got a young guy here that's also uber talented. I would venture to say, and this may hurt some feelings, and that's okay. I work a program of rigorous honesty. I think Isaac Smith has the highest upside of any safety on the roster. Period. Doesn't have the experience yet. Hadn't even cut his college wisdom teeth yet. But this is a guy here, I think, if, if you were going to go out and have this create a player type deal, it'd look a lot like Isaac Smith. And it's not just the physical attributes. This is a guy that kind of understands football. 
And so, yeah, he's going to play a good bit this year. And I think in the end, he's going to be in a multi-year starter here at Mississippi State. So, to expect him to play this year. The number three highest-rated player in our class is Ty Jones. Now, Ty did take some time off uh, this summer and returned to the team uh, for second session of summer school. Ty, goodness gracious, this poor kid, man. He had multiple family members die within just a few weeks of each other. And uh, just really just needed to go back home and get loved on a little bit. I mean, that's how we'd all be. You know, he lost his mom and, you know, some other people very close to him all in a quick succession. And so he took some time off and he went back home to Bay Springs. Some people wondered if he was going to leave the program. And uh, we found out uh, last month, a couple weeks ago now, three weeks ago now, that uh, Ty was back. Got back, going through drills. And, and the truth of the matter is, I'm sure that's what his family would want, right? It's like, yes, this has been a terrible, terrible situation. However, man, we got to start moving forward a little bit. But he took some time to grieve, and that's one of the most healthy things you can do in your life, to be quite honest with you. Learning to process pain in a healthy way. It's true. And I don't care if you're a person in recovery or not. Learning to take some time for yourself to process through those emotions is exceptionally, exceptionally important. And the, the, the sad part of it is, is Ty Jones is having to do it as a teenager. And so I know he needs to be around the guys. I'm glad he's back. Uh, does he play a lot this year? Could be a special teams guy. But, you know, that's the thing, too. This, this linebacker class that we signed, we got some dudes. And that's three classes in a row we've kind of stacked some backers. I think Ty Jones might have the best upside of any of those guys, to be quite honest with you. And I, I'm including some of the guys that are on your team that you know your name. You know their names already. Honestly, if Ty Jones continues to work hard and Ty Jones stays healthy, uh, I think he'll be as productive, if not more productive, than Bookie Watson and Jet Johnson. I think he is that caliber of player. It's going to be how quickly can he pick up life and times in the SEC. That guy is really, really good. All right, the uh, fourth highest rated player in the class, Bryce Pollock out of uh, Shallow High School out in Snellville, Georgia. One time he was committed to University of Pitt or Pittsburgh, and we, we knew that wasn't going to stick. We knew at some point he'd find a program closer to home. Give Darcy McBath a lot of credit. Uh, he is a guy that um, could be corner, could be safety. I think a lot of it's just going to depend on how he grows. You know, I mean, you got to be quick twitch to play corner, but, you know, th- as electric as offenses are these days, uh, the days of just the plodding, hard-hitting safety are pretty much over. You've got to be athletic to play at any position in the defensive backfield. And Bryce is. Uh, I think he's probably got a red shirt this year just because of the fact we do have some older guys. Uh, at corner, and we've got some guys at safety I think are moving along. Uh, but Bryce is one of these guys. We talk about putting our five best DBs on the field. There's going to come a time in a not-so-distant future, Bryce is going to be one of those five. All right, Jonathan Davis, you may recall, he, that was a big, big recruiting win for State late. I, I love – and I'm, I'm just going to say it for what it is. I've reached a point in my life I'm tired of biting my tongue. I know that sounds kind of uh, – I don't know, maybe a little bit weird considering how – I've behaved on this microphone over the years, but uh, there are some people that claim sources and they have bought into a revisionist history that there was never any drama with Jonathan Davis. And I'll just tell you this, you're either lying in or completely misinformed. Mississippi State had to work extremely hard to beat Ole Miss for Jonathan Davis. That's a fact. That's not hyperbole. That's not a question. That's not speculation. That's a fact. Jonathan Davis 
for all intents and purposes, privately committed to Ole Miss when he took a visit up there. It's true. It's true. And he didn't have his parents with him. And, of course, he gets back home and things kind of get shaken up a little bit. And then there was no question at the end he was going to pick Mississippi State. But all these people are like, oh, well, no, this kid, no. It was never a slam dunk. Never a slam dunk. Mississippi State, Tony Hughes, Dave Turner, Zach Arnett, they had to work exceptionally hard. And I don't know why that's so difficult for some people to admit. It actually makes Mississippi State's coaching staff look better to beat Ole Miss for a player they really wanted than have these people come back later because they're searching for internet credibility. Oh, there was never any drama. You're completely wrong. You are completely wrong. Jonathan Davis is a dude, one of these guys that hit the radar late. I had people telling me about him all season long. I just didn't think we'd ever flex on him. We did. It's a big win for State. Does he play a lot this year? I don't know that he does. But I do think he'll see the field. And, of course, you got the four-game redshirt rule you can work with. Yeah, I think he absolutely gets on the field. Uh, Dave Turner is really high on this kid. Dave Turner thinks Jonathan Davis has potential to be a really good one at Mississippi State. Uh, so I do expect him to play, but I would like to be able to preserve the red shirt. I think that's how we'd all feel. All right, Leon Bell, the last enrollee of the class. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. 
You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know, we got uh, Kelly Jones and... Uh and uh, Freddie Roberson in, you know, for that second session, Leon was still finishing up a course. He got it done. And uh, Leon's here. And, again, this is a guy, too, big-time athletic offensive lineman. Mason Miller was you know, kind of pivoted on him late. And uh, you do some connections in Texas, found out about him there at Kilgore Junior College. And, of course, he's not a high school guy. Will he play some this year? I don't know how much he does. I think you want him to get out there and get his, uh, you know, get his feet wet. I'd like to be able to redshirt him because this is a guy that's still very raw, but this is he's a freak of an athlete at 6'8", 330. And when you start looking at this group we've put together here, some imposing physical figures on this roster. And Leon Bell is a guy, too, that, you know, it's just one of those things is kind of out of the blue late, and we get him, and then we get him into school. Now it's time to go to work. Eric Taylor, a Jenner junior college guy, uh, former – all-American, signed with LSU, wound up at Southwest Mississippi Community College. He's a dude. And, again, not a high school guy, but, yeah, he's absolutely going to play. Absolutely going to play. Uh, Chris Parson, seen some good things from him in practice. I, I, one of the things I like about Chris is how effortlessly he throws a football. You know, there are some guys you can see they have to kind of ramp it up a little bit, and it's like takes all they have to kind of push it down the field. It's all very, very fluid for Chris. Even when he's kind of rolling and, and, and throwing without planting his feet, he's got the arm strength and really kind of that throwing pattern. Like when you, you watch his motion, he is a guy almost like a pitcher in many respects. We talk about like a repeatable delivery on the mound. That's kind of how Chris is. It's all very compact. It's very quick. Uh, he is a guy, too, that uh, you can see when he rolls outside and those backers and safeties come up and try – if they commit too soon, Chris has got – the arm strength to float that ball behind him or just ram it down the field. He is not the guy that you want to get caught in between with. I really like him. I think he's probably your starter in 2025. Excuse me, 2024. Uh, I think he's probably your starter next year after redshirt year. And people are like, but Steve, I'm just telling you, when you look at the, the quarterback run element with him, 
changes the dynamics of the offense. Now, could it be a situation next year where Mike Wright is the starter and Chris Parson is the understudy, kind of like we did uh, with Dak, you know, back in 12? Is that the way we go? Maybe it is. But I think Kevin Barbet would love to have that option. But I think Chris Parson is one of these guys that we're going to look back. It's going to elevate the profile of his program. Uh, Seth Davis, and I'll be honest with you, I think Seth Davis is a guy probably benefits from the schedule, excuse me, the, the uh, offensive change in philosophy more so than anybody of the young guys because Seth's the guy that's selling the play in the air rate. My concern with Seth always was, is in his diminutive stature, is he going to be able to stand in there and pass protect on a blitzing Mike linebacker that comes free? That worries me. It's not, it's not magic. It's math. It's physics. I think Seth in this offense – it's a much better fit for him. I think he kind of unduly benefits from this without really doing anything. He just signed and showed up. And then he gets here, and all of a sudden we change to a philosophy that I think fits his skill set much better. I don't know how much he plays this year. Uh, I think that running back room is in really good shape. Uh, but, yeah, you'd like to be able to redshirt him, let him bulk up a little bit. But I think Seth is a guy that's going to be a guy to watch in the future. Kelly Jones, a corner out of Clarksdale, mentioned him getting here a little bit late. That probably sets him back a bit. But Kelly is a dude, man. Uh, you guys have listened to this show for a long time. You read the Gene Space Message Sports. I, I was kind of on him uh, before anybody else was. I was on that bandwagon when all he had was junior college offers and people thought he was a non-qualifier. And he wasn't. And it took him a little while to get here, but he's here. Now that he's here, expecting big things. I don't think he plays much this year, though. Maybe get late in the game. Maybe, you know, we'll see. But I think this is a redshirt guy for sure. Um, just because, it, number one, he's learning to play a new position. He could benefit from the redshirt year. And he also, he's already a freak of an athlete. But what, what's he going to look like with 10 pounds of good weight on him? Uh, Zay Alexander, a guy that has really kind of transformed his body. And credit to him and that coaching staff at Tupelo. I think he's a guy, too, that will likely redshirt. But I do expect him to play some this year. You need to kind of get some film on him. And, again, another massive offensive lineman, 6'7", 315 pounds. Huge. I like the future of this group. Jeffrey Pittman, we get a lot of comments from players about Jeff Pittman. Another junior college guy uh, had a big, big play at the goal line the other day, uh, ran through a tackle, put it in the end zone, ignited the entire offense, and maybe that's what he does. Maybe he's your short yardage back. You know, obviously Woody can do it too, but I like Jeff Pittman. He's certainly going to play a lot this year, and that's the thing you start running through is, okay, well, yeah, we got Kevon Lee – transfer from Penn State, yeah, he's going to play. We got Simeon Price back. We know he's going to play. And when you think about the fact that we're going to run the football a lot more this year, having four quality backs I think is something that is kind of um, maybe understated by a lot of people that uh, even cover Mississippi State. I don't think people realize how talented this backfield can be. Uh, Tobias Hinton's a linebacker. I don't expect him to play much this year. Um, he's a guy, too, that kind of – Doubled as a rush end at times. Didn't play a lot in space in high school until this past year. Tony Vance runs a great program at Hattiesburg High School. Anytime that we're recruiting a kid at Hattiesburg High School, I know they've been coached well. And there's a lot of programs around this state you look at and say, well, you know, I don't know the caliber of coaching they've gotten there. I know the caliber of coaching that Tobias Hintz has had at Hattiesburg High School. And uh, it's going to be up to him. It's going to be absolutely up to him because he's been coached well. He spent some time in the weight room. It was a good get for Mississippi State. 
Uh, Nakai Poole is a guy we've heard some good things about. Again, I don't, I don't expect him to play much this year, probably with redshirt, and that's completely fine. I think the wide receiver room that we have is good. and I, th- I think you know, he's a guy that's going to you know, play outside a lot. And uh, learning to kind of you know, play on the perimeter is going to be big. And I think watching Justin Robinson and those guys work this, this season will be good for him. But, uh, again, again, we've heard some, fl- some remarks about him flashing some in practice. Uh, Jalen Abram, big fan of him. I don't know if he didn't end up being a safety. That's one thing, watching him on film, as you look at him, he's kind of a bigger and beefier corner, and you think, okay, he's got the skill to do this, but how would he play with the ball in front of him? How is he going to play, like, if, you know, getting off that hash, right? Um, I think he's capable, again, to give you some, some options. He's got some versatility. I think he's completely underrated. Uh, by the networks, and I'm completely okay with that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look back in a couple of years and say I told you so. Uh, Caleb Bryant's done some pretty cool things in practice too. Uh, in the, in the, the position that we've been able to go watch uh, when he has gotten in there, uh, he definitely shows up. And, again, I think he's probably a four-game guy. Really the same for Gabriel Moore. I think Gabe Moore is a freak of an athlete, and uh, the fact that he's rated an 87 is criminal, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Amari Smith, another massive lineman at 6'7", 295. You'd like to be able to redshirt him, too. And I think with all the veterans we have this year, I would venture to say that every high school offensive lineman we have in this class will redshirt, and they should. Jacoby Belazar had somebody pull me aside of the day and said, you know what, Jacoby Belazar might be the hidden weapon in this Mississippi State offense because he can really run. And somebody mentioned the possibility of having him in one slot and Tulu in the other are having them lined up both in a bunch formation because both of them are so fleet of foot and so shifty that all of a sudden when you get out there and you're thinking, okay, you got to watch five. you gotta watch, you got to watch Tulu. They're going to feed him. And then there's Belazar and man coverage. We'll see. Luke Evans, they love this kid out of Chaminade uh, Madonna Prep in Hollywood, Florida. They absolutely love this guy. Uh, he is a guy we think is the next great Bulldog corner like the next generation. We've got some guys ahead of him, obviously. But I can tell you there are people within the program that think this guy has NFL potential. He's got to work hard. Don't think he'll play much this year, but uh, certainly in the future. Uh, mentioned, again, Jaden Hobson, Malik Ellis, both offensive linemen. Malik needs to gain some mass. He's done a little bit, but he needs to get a little bit bigger. Uh, Jaden Hobson, other uh, Hillcrest. I would assume people tell me that he might be the biggest hidden gem in the state of Alabama from last year's class. Really happy to have him. Joseph Head, uh, he's a freak. And, again, the fact that he's ready where he is I think is a joke. I think Joseph Head's a guy that will thrive in his Zach Arnett scheme. Do we see him this year? I, I think we, we may, to be quite honest with you. I think we may. Uh, we had the late addition of Will James from Theodore High School, a guy that, again, I think will redshirt. Uh, and you think, Steve, we're talking all these redshirt guys. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you, the lowest-rated high school recruit in our class – He's probably going to play this year. That's Zakari Tillman. Former safety, ate his way into being a linebacker, a freak of an athlete, and we talked to backers today, and his name keeps coming up. Zakari Tillman this. Deshaun Page said that Zakari Tillman has some of the innate ability to play linebacker that even some of our seniors don't have. Just a natural athlete. I loved him from the very beginning, the very first time I watched his film, I love the kid. I said, you know what? Why didn't this kid have all these offers? And it's because he's a bit of a tweener, right? Uh, but the reality of it is, this is a steal for Mississippi State. 
this is one of these guys too you look at you know it's like you look back well you you had Bernardrick McKinney I'm not going to sit here and say that Zachary Tillman's going to have the same career that BMAC did but this is another one of these under recruited kids kind of tugged away in Mississippi that people are like well okay we'll see now Zachary Tillman is a dude and provided he can stay healthy he's going to prove that and uh, I don't know what you guys are going to call him, what his nickname is going to be, but he's going to be a fan favorite. An extremely intelligent young man. It's all also just happens to be an extremely athletic guy. And again, you know, kind of grew his way into the linebacker position. Uh, but you better believe Zachary Tillman is going to be a name that you know moving forward, provided he stays healthy. He is. And so it's like you go through all these guys, like, oh, well, yeah, the, we expect the, the four-star kids to play, Steve. And, yeah, I mean, that's right. They're down on these offers. Guys, Zachary Tillman had none of that stuff. Had a bunch of people just kind of sniff at him and like, ah, you know, we'll see. Zachary Tillman, this is one of those ones I'm going to look back and say I told you so. And I'm already beginning to say it. Because we continue to hear from people who really have no agenda whatsoever. I mean, what have they gained by telling us Zakari Tillman's look good in practice? I mean, it's not like this, they're trying to sell you anything. It's like we, we ask them, who are some of the younger guys that have stood out? This is a guy who was consistently mentioned. And I think he's going to have an opportunity to play this year. And when you begin to think about what's best for the health of our program, and listen, we've recruited linebackers really well in recent years. But when you begin to think about what we're potentially losing, it might be smart to get Sakari out there now, let him take some lumps here as a freshman because he may be in a position to start next year. And, of course, Keelan Crimmins, uh, you know, from Australia, those guys, those punters never get ranked uh, correctly. But uh, this Keelan Crimmins kid, 6'3", 200 pounds, and uh, that's legit. And so I'm eager to see what he does uh, how, how special teams changes. But, uh, yeah, so there's probably a half dozen of these guys that I think will play this year. But the guy that's going to flash that nobody's talking about that we're going to look back and say, you know what, we knew something y'all didn't, is Sakari Tillman. Take it to the bank, borrow money against it. That's exactly how confident I am in it. Again, provided he stays healthy, he is going to be a dude. And I'm going to be really, really big in that fan club because uh, he is an excellent young man. And I can tell you this, when he committed to Mississippi State, it wasn't just him, it was his entire family. They all committed to Mississippi State. That's why there was no wiggle room late. But to be fair, there wasn't a lot of people pushing him to flip. I think people just kind of labeled him a tweener and said, well, you know what, I don't know if he's got the foot speed to play safety. Does he have the bulk to play linebacker? Well, by the time signing got here, they got here, he did. He just kept growing. And now all of a sudden, he's learned to play at a new weight and he's at a Southeastern Conference practice in the first few days of pads, and instead of being intimidated, he's earning respect from his teammates. So go ahead and prepare. Zakari Tillman. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. The Blair stands for Blair Chandler, who is my friend, your friend, a friend of those in need. A friend of those that uh, have mortgage concerns. Maybe you're trying to get into a mortgage. Maybe that's proven to be very difficult for you. You know, part of the problem might be you've entrusted that service to the wrong individual. That's why you need to go work with Blair. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back-to-back years. Works at Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable mortgage lender. They know how to get things done and do it in an expedient 
an efficient way. Also, Blair can tell you all about this new program in the state of Mississippi where now an 18-year-old can sign a mortgage document provided they have a co-signer. Opens up some interesting options for you. Perhaps you want to let your young person get a head start in life. Maybe rather than renting an apartment, you could buy a condo or a, a property. Turn it into an investment down the road whenever your uh, young person graduates college. Maybe you sell it, recoup some of your investment. A lot to it. Blair can help you navigate through that. Reach out to him at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Be sure you let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. All right, top 10. Today is uh, August 11th. It's a sad day for me. It's a sad day for many people in the rock community, uh, for sure. Janie Lane talked about him on the show many times before. Uh, Janie passed away a dozen years ago today at the age of 47. It's a shame. And uh, I've shared with you some of my interactions with Janie Lane. I'll tell you, one of the last times I saw him, he was uh, not the pretty boy that you know from the Cherry Pie video. He was... uh, suffering with alcohol bloat and things like that and and uh his career was rather interesting you know he uh started a band as a drummer and then uh formed a band called plain jane they uh moved to florida packed up moved to california and were committed to uh getting a record deal and while they were out there they began to create a little bit of a buzz and ultimately joined the band warren stephen sweet the drummer and Jenny both joined Warren, and uh, Jenny wrote most of their hits. And uh, he died 12 years ago today of alcohol poisoning at the Beverly Hills Best Western. Not going to get into that whole story again, but we're going to celebrate his music today. Not everything on the list is Warrant-related. Some of this was solo stuff, so it's not a Warrant list. It's a Jenny Lane list. Also, did not include any songs from his one released solo album, Back Down to One. And uh, the graphic artist that designed that album cover has basically four chalk outlines around the legs of Janie Lane, like that everybody's dead to him in his former band. Uh, so it didn't always work out, but it was kind of an on again, off again relationship with Janie and Warren, and much of that had to do, you know, with his alcoholism. And so. Today, 10 tracks, and again, nothing off uh, back down to one. But uh, some of these are guest spots. Some of these are uh, some of the hits from Warrant. Uh, the one song that you're not going to hear today on the list is Cherry Pie. You say, but Steve, how can we do a list? Well, out of respect for Janie, you know, he was a guy that got a little bit overexposed and um, kind of wrote that song, you know, just kind of off the cuff. You know, wasn't anything he really had his heart in. And uh, there were things that he was always upset with, and he kind of hated being labeled the cherry pie guy. He thought there was more to his catalog than that, and, and he's right. Uh, but what's interesting is after the, uh, the album Doggy Dog came out, things began to change for Warren, and a lot of it because, you know, Janny wanted to ensure he still had a playing career. And so the, the, the album Ultraphobic came out, and it was kind of a departure from the glam metal era a little more of the alternative rock thing, not necessarily grunge, but you could hear some of the tuning there. And then Belly to Belly came out, Under the Influence. That's a final album with Jenny Lane. Born Again, they had a new singer. And then, of course, Robert Evans has sung on Rockaholic and Louder, Harder, Faster. 
but uh, six albums for Janie with the band Warrant. And we're going to pull some from that. Uh, from uh, number 10 on your list, again, kind of looking at all this stuff, it's, it's crazy to go back. Under the Influence was basically a cover album. And that was released back in 2001. And it was the, uh, the final album with Janie Lane. There were two original songs on this album. We're going to go with the song Face, which is the last track on the album. If you're unfamiliar with this album and you like cover songs, and I do, some good ones on here. You know, some Aerosmith stuff, Tin Lizzy, and even did Dead, Dead Jail Rock and Roll by Michael Monroe. For you hair band uh, fanatics, that's a great one. And uh, Hair of the Dog from Nazareth, of course. But there, there are a lot of cool ones on here. But uh, Face, a song written by Janie and Carrie Kelly, closes out the album. That's number 10 for you. All right, the, uh, the next album, because we're, we're going to work backwards. We're going to work from album six and kind of work our way towards uh, the front here. So uh, on uh, track number nine on the album Belly to Belly, and you, you kind of have an idea of, um, you know, what this album was kind of built around. But again, it's, it's much like, again, it's not glam metal. So when you listen to this, you're going to like, hey, well, things really changed. I kind of lost track of Warrant. Well, that's one of the reasons why. I think it was a very, very interesting career choice that in, in many respects maybe brought an end to Warrant as we knew them. Now they're back now being a nostalgia act, and they're, you know, they're not changing with the times. But that's kind of what happened here. I think Janie, after Doggy Dog came out, and it was still good. It was a top 25 album on the Billboard charts. And, uh, but I think he said, you know what, music is changing. We have to change, too. And I think Janie and Warrant became something they really weren't, if that makes sense to you. All For You is the track off the Belly to Belly album we're going to go with. All For You. And they, they had a couple of songs on there that were interesting. There was one called Letter to a Friend that Janie wrote about how uh, your relationship should end. Like, we both kind of see it for what it is. And I still want to keep you as a friend. This isn't working out, so we'll move on. But... Um, that's just not how life works, Janie. Usually if things don't end badly, they generally don't end. Period. All right, Ultraphobic. This was the first album with the new sound of, uh, of Warrant. You know, it was much, much different. And it was a darker time in Janie's, la Janie's life. Him and Bobby Brown had divorced uh, after being together for a few years. But it was over. And Janie even kind of said in some interviews that day, one of the reasons that things changed from doggy dog to ultraphobic is because of the fact that he wanted to continue to do some big things. And there's some Alice in Chains type stuff in this, which I one and I like a couple of these songs. They really kind of lost me on this album, to be honest with you. I was like, you know what? It just seems weird. You know, it's like, uh, you know, your friends from church all of a sudden meet you at the bar. You know, it just, it, it, it just didn't fit for me. But the track Undertow is your number eight track. Undertow off the album Ultraphobic, which was the, the fourth album of the Jandy Lynn experience uh, with um, Warrant. All right, number seven, and this is a great one here. I, I really dig this one. It's not a Warrant song. 
And uh, Bobby Blotzer from Rat is on this album. You may know it, maybe you don't, but it's a, a group called Saints of the Underground. Saints of the Underground. And it's kind of like in the middle of all of this. You hear some elements of the music of the time, but you also hear some things that are more traditional rock and roll. And I went with a great track off that album, Tomorrow Never Comes. That's not a Garth Brooks cover. It's an original track. Tomorrow Never Comes from Saints of the Underground, featuring Janie Lane on vocals. Number six, ironically, a song entitled Addiction from the Christian rock group Liberty and Justice. I think they're making their uh, top ten debut with us here. Liberty and Justice. Janie actually recorded a couple tracks with this outfit. And... Uh, I had read that this is, Janie was trying to get his life together, right? So he was trying to surround himself with more positive people and uh, had a connection with this band and agreed to do some songs. Um, and he was getting fed himself, right? But addiction number six. So now we're going to get into kind of the traditional stuff here. And I, I like that not to just go with hits, even though they are hits. They're not true B-sides. But uh, I didn't go with the, all the traditional ones. Number five for me, the lead single off of that Doggy Dog album, the last of the Warrant hair metal run with Jamie, is Machine Gun. I absolutely love it. I still rock it in the car. It's one of these things that, um, you know, I put it on and it's like the early 90s all over again. And again, Doggy Dog came out in 92, and that's around the time things were changing. You know, Cherry Pie comes out the end of 90. And by the time they recorded another album and got off the road, the world was kind of changing around them. But Machine Gun was legit. Number four, a song that Janie Lane told me he thought was one of his best ones is uh, The Bitter Pill. I still listen to this one too, and it always kind of makes me sad. When I'm feeling somewhat nostalgic, I listen to this song. And uh, it's a shame. I think more of you were kind of robbed of this experience because of the fact that MTV was uh, too big for their britches in many respects. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to change this. And uh, Stephen Sweet and Jerry Dixon of others you know, really appealed uh, to uh, MTV and others, will you please play our video? And they wouldn't do it because they were intent on changing things. And there were a lot of people that were executives at MTV. And to their credit, there was some truth to this. It was time for music to change. And I don't think it was changing rapidly enough for them. I think that's one thing that happens. It, it, it works organically. And so it had gotten bloated and kind of cookie cutter. And people were like, you know, I don't want anything to do uh, with hair metal. And so we're going to go grab a bunch of guys that uh, just finished up a night shift at, at Subway. And we're going to put them on stage and put guitars in their hand. And it doesn't matter if they can sing or they can play. We're going to make We're going to make something else happen. And they force-fed us that. And, and then the reason that I say that, and listen, I love grunge. I did. But it didn't have staying power. And if you listen to music today, rock music of today, there are more elements of 80s rock than there are of grunge. And so that's the thing when you look at that. Like, what, what, what built upon that? What, where did grunge carry us? Well, grunge carried us into a very awkward time in rock and roll music. And there are a lot of people, like, there's no staying power with any of that stuff. And, you know, many of the uh, bands in the grunge era are legendary. Absolutely legendary. But the elements of that were kind of confined to that time of music. 
It's a much different deal. And, and to be honest with you, and I've said this on the show before, I don't blame grunge for killing off hair metal. I blame hair metal for killing off hair metal. And not because of Jandy Lane and Warren and people like that actually had talent. It's the record companies out here that were looking for the single, right? Let's, hey, well, let's go out here and push this banger out here and we'll do a power ballad. And what happened is there were so many bands getting signed, it all got watered down. And they did something fresh to happen. And ironically, it was Guns N' Roses that took Soundgarden out on a nationwide tour that really exposed grunge to the rest of the country. Little known fact that you didn't expect to learn that today, but it's true. On the Use Your Illusion tour, Axl Rose was a huge fan of Chris Cornell that he basically demanded that Soundgarden be the opening act on so many of those shows. And so Soundgarden goes from kind of being a regional band to a nationwide phenomenon. And to this day, I submit to you, Soundgarden does not get enough credit, even though they were the superior band uh, from Seattle. And you can, I'll, I'll down that hill. Uh, but number three, off the Cherry Pie album. And uh, again, we didn't go with Cherry Pie, but I wanted to push one of my own favorites in here. It's the great song, Blind Faith. And I still listen to this song, too. And every time I do, it reminds me of uh, My Beautiful Bride. And, uh, you know, I get a little melancholy at times. And I put it on. I probably should put on something a little more, you know, rocking so I don't embrace those feelings. But I'm the kind of person that, you know, for years, I didn't feel anything. You know, when I was in addiction, I didn't feel anything. And then even when I got sober for a while, I still tried to block all that stuff out. You know, I just didn't feel it. And um, it's good to feel. It really is. And I think in order to really embrace happiness, sometimes you've got to work through the sadness in your life and let your body and, and mind and heart feel those things. But Blind Faith is one of those songs even all these years later, still gets to me. Number two, I don't think any list with Jenny Lane or Warrant or really anything with uh, late 80s rock would be complete without this great track. It's a great story about the protagonist and Uncle Tom. It's Uncle Tom's Cabin. We heard it played live for the first time ever in Jackson, Mississippi. We did. All of us were there together. It was Trickster, Warrant, and Firehouse. It was a great show. We got to hear Uncle Tom's Cabin played live before it was released, and we all lost our minds, and we couldn't wait to go buy the album. Absolutely phenomenal. And number one for me, the song that started it all, and, uh, of course, I, I bared the, uh, the tattoo. I have a cherry pie tattoo as well, but uh, it's Down Boys. And, uh, again, I, I share with you guys for a while. I've got that on my knuckles. But uh, I just wanted to be able to, today, let's take a moment and appreciate the great music that Jenny Lane has, uh, has offered us through his career. And he is on so many guest spots. He's done, like he even covered Panama on a Van Halen tribute album. There's just so many things that he was a part of. And he was really kind of an iconic figure, but he was also a bit of a tragic hero. And uh, a lot of the things that kind of made him great are the things that ultimately destroyed him. And it's one of those things that just, it really, really gets to you a little bit because you think about, you know, this is a guy, too, that maybe with the right management and the right mentorship, things could have been different for him. And I think in the end, he just simply could not accept the fact uh, that the ride was ending and uh, wasn't prepared to pivot. And uh, you hate it for him. You hate it for the family. But we're still going to celebrate Jenny Lane on this show. And uh, I appreciate so many of you Warren and Jenny Laney fans that when we talk about him, 
you reach out and say, you know what, Steve, I, I always like it because it reminds me of a simpler time in life. Um, and so, yeah, we could focus on Janie's untimely death, but I think it's more important to focus on the life he lived and the music and art he created uh, for us to enjoy. So there you go, your top 10 list. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. Best way to do that is to find Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. He's also on Spotify with that same handle. You get our great list right there. You can subscribe to them. In addition to that, you can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. If you got ideas, reach out, let us know. Uh, I got hit up this week, uh, four or five different people looking for lists. It's like, Steve, I know you guys have done a sticks list. I know that you have done a bad company list. And uh, it means a lot to me that you care enough that you want to know what I think. But um, I'm just here to help celebrate some tunes, man, in addition to talking about sports. And so I'm glad you guys dig the show. I know some of you guys are not music people, so you skip this segment of the show. Uh, I think that's unfortunate, but nevertheless, thanks for listening uh, to the top ten list. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Uh, I love Campus Bookmart, uh, and don't forget August the 15th at noon, going to be the official unveiling of the brand new Vintage Vault logo for this year. Many of you probably know what it is. I can't say officially, but uh, Mississippi State Trademark and Licensing will be on hand, and you're going to be able to buy that merchandise for the first time in a long time. And uh, it's going to be great. And I love the fact that they're doing this Vintage Vault stuff and bringing those old logos back. And this is one of those ones that uh, holds a special plate in the hearts, a special place in the hearts of many. Uh, so be prepared. I will be there. I plan to August the 15th. August 15th. Let me, give, let me look up and see what day that is. Today's Friday. Uh, August the 15th is going to be Tuesday. So Tuesday at noon, you can go by and get the brand new Vintage Vault merch that's gonna be shirts hoodies glassware anything they can slap a logo on there's a good chance you're going to be able to find it that day so if if you're in town and you want to be the first among your circle of friends show up at campus bookmark at noon on tuesday august 15th at noon if you can't make the town visit them on the world wide web at campusbookmart.net and by being a lawyer boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase that pays as bsr which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, working through our SEC football previews. Today is South Carolina. We'll wrap up our SEC previews next week. And we'll have you on a couple of weeks left. And we'll break down our non-conference opponents. The next thing you know, it'll be game week. Think about that for a second. We're three weeks away. Next week, last week of SEC opponents. SEC team, excuse me. Then we'll have four non-conference opponents to uh, talk about. So that gets you through the next week. And we'll have one left. And next thing you know, we're previewing uh, week one. We'll probably save southeastern Louisiana for that week, preview that, kind of get that done. But the reality of it is we don't have a lot left. But we do play South Carolina this year. That is a Bulldog opponent. And – you know, Shane Beamer, a former Bulldog assistant, big fan of his. A lot of people were very skeptical when Ray Tanner hired him. They're like, what? And look at what Shane and those guys have done. Way ahead of schedule. I really thought last year they were going to have a tough year. I, I'm not too proud to admit that. I thought, you know what? They had the really good year the year before. 
I think they won't sneak up on anybody this year. And uh, some people are going to get them. And that really wasn't the case. I mean, that 2021 season, you know, you look back in hindsight, uh, they went 6-6 six and six and snuck into a bowl game and then won the bowl game against North Carolina running away from it. Absolutely insanity. And that big win over Florida and Denmo in that year really highlighted the season. Uh, but, yeah, so they get bowl eligible in year one. Come back last year. Again, no way you're sneaking up on anybody. And they, there, were, there were some up and down. I mean, but they were an 8-4 and four team. And you remember they wanted to play, you know, Notre Dame in the bowl game. Wanted that helmet sticker win. Didn't get it. But let's go back and kind of recap how the year went for South Carolina. Uh, they get Georgia State 35-14. to The next week they get beat pretty well in Fayetteville 44-30 to drop to 1-1. and And then Georgia gets them 48-7. And then we're thinking, okay, here we go. All right. Got a couple non-conference games. They'll run through these. It's going to be tough to make a bowl game. Well, they blast Charlotte 56-20. And then they get South Carolina State 50-10. to 10. You're like, okay, well, that's expected. Well, then they get Kentucky and Lexington. Now, if you remember, this, to be fair in this game, Will Levis was beat up. That's what people forget. Will Levis was beat up in this ball game. Uh, South Carolina made some, some good things happen for themselves. It's, it was 7-7 at the break, and South Carolina got some separation there in the third quarter. Uh, to make it 17-7 and just really just kind of needed to navigate through the fourth quarter. And they match Kentucky with seven points. But uh, Will Levis didn't play in this ballgame. And so South Carolina, eight, six sacks in the ballgame. Kyra Sharon was the uh, the starter there. Rodriguez with a big ball game for Kentucky, but he was really all they had uh, that evening. But uh, that was a big win. Regardless of the circumstances, that was a win. I said, you know what, they're probably going to get Bo eligible now. And you think, okay, well, they've won three in a row. Surely, surely A&M will turn this thing around. A&M goes to Columbia, South Carolina, and comes home with a loss. Now you're thinking, man, look at what's happened in South Carolina. This guy's already stacking it up for you. And then they host Missouri as a top 25 team for the first time in forever. And they lose. Can't stand prosperity and lose 23-10 to 10 in a game that really wasn't that competitive. The next week, they get Vanderbilt 38-27. They get shelled in Gainesville 38-6. And you think, okay, well, this is it. They'll probably lose out. And I projected that on this show. And what do they do? They absolutely destroy the University of Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee had a chance to make a playoff and got absolutely embarrassed. This ended all that for them, 63-38. to 38. Did you expect that? I didn't. I said, okay, well, okay, there's no way they win back-to-back top 10 games. And they do. They beat Clemson 31-30 in a very entertaining game. I thought Clemson's quarterback play was really spotty and gives South Carolina defense a lot of credit. Then they take on Notre Dame in a ball game and lose 45-38 in Jacksonville. But, uh, yeah, it's a good game. But uh, they end the year with an 8-5 record. And so, again, you kind of build on, you know, the year before. And so now some people are like, you know what, hey, this South Carolina team be pretty decent this year. I'm glad we get them early. But this team is only going to go as far as Spencer Rattler can take them. And I think everybody sees that and says, but, Steve, isn't that the case with every quarterback? Yes, it is. But Spencer Rattler 
is a guy that has some really dynamic qualities, and at times he can take over a ball game. And again, for us, this is that same mobile-type quarterback that has given us some trouble. This is a big game for us. I've told you guys before, I think this game is the difference between a good year and a great year. I think it's that simple. It's that important for us. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Juice Wells, obviously a pretty big-time player there, too. So, new offensive coordinator. We we go through this. And, again, it only applies to Mississippi State. Mississippi State has always docked two wins in the preseason for changing a coordinator. Nobody else has that. Nobody. Nobody else has that. Um, Running game, that's going to be interesting. Very interesting. Offensive lines having to be rebuilt. That's where I think, you know, this is where it helps us to get them early before they kind of develop some cohesion with that unit. We can go out there and really change some things with the angles and the frequency in which we blitz. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. Uh, They've added Trey Knox, of course, from Arkansas. He'll be a tight end with them. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Juju McDowell is back, but it wasn't like he was a 1,000-yard rusher. Just had just over 200 yards last year. And so uh, some of that, too, with Spencer Rattler, is he learning to play within the frame of the offense? You know, is he getting the ball in the hands of playmakers? Is he trying to do it all himself? You know, I don't know. But the reality of it is, is there were times last year Spencer Rattler, like especially against Tennessee and Clemson, really kind of played above his head. And so that's what you concern yourself with. Uh Offensive line, again, has got to be rebuilt. They had a pretty significant injury in the spring to left tackle out there. So, again, glad we're getting them early. Uh, defense, secondary-wise, really, really good, but not so good against the run at all. So, a lot of times, too, those numbers are kind of skewed, right, because you only threw when you had to. You didn't throw necessarily when you wanted to. Just line up and run the football game. Uh, and And – Secondary-wise, they should be pretty good to return a lot of guys back there. But the reality of it is this is a team that really struggles to stop the run. We'll see our friend Stone Blanton there. Uh, had a good season last year. Could be a starter. You know, he'll be jacked and ready to play that game. I don't know how many of our players will remember that uh, he talked about being a part of this program. And, uh, you know, still kind of disappointed. The way that worked out. But, uh, you know, wish him the best. It's not against us. But this is a team, again, going to be tough for them to run the football when it's not, you know, kind of a backyard football play. That's the thing you look at. Not a lot of depth at running back and a rebuilt offensive line. Going to put a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler. And, listen, he's good enough to carry him some places. Don't get me wrong. And you look at a defense that struggles to stop the run, what happens when they have to walk those safeties up there? You, do you take a shot, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I think, again, this is a team that will get better as the year moves forward. But I think they're pretty much what they are. I think they're a 7-5, and 8-4 and four type team. And, um, again, us having to go on the road to play in the Southeastern Conference is always, always, always a dicey proposition no matter where we go. And to go to Williams-Brice Stadium, you know it's going to be jacked. You know, the fans are going to be there and they'll be ready to roll. And it's going to be one of those deals where, uh, you know, we don't know what time the game is yet, but we're going to have to show up ready to play. 
they're not going to lay down and give it to us. But this is, again, you're basically playing one of your contemporaries here in a venue you don't see very often. So we're going to go out there and do some big things. There's, there's not really any question about that. This is an extremely important game on our schedule. Let's work through their schedule. They open up in Charlotte on neutral field against North Carolina. Now, that could be interesting. North Carolina, one of the better teams in the ACC the last decade or so. So, let's say if we had to call it today, let's call that a loss for the Gamecocks. Well, the next week you get the Furman Paladins. That's a W. Then you travel to Athens, Georgia. That's a loss, and it could be a very physical loss. That's your CBS game on September 16th. Well, you know who comes to call in the next week? It's Mississippi State. And so we have a really good chance to play a 1-2 and two South Carolina team after a very physical bloodletting against the two-time defending national champions. I like where we sit in a schedule. The next week, they got traveled to Tennessee. We are sandwiched in there perfectly. Perfectly. It's the long home game between two games against top ten opponents. I like our chances. I do. Not just because of the matchup. And, again, you know, we'll preview this as we get closer. But just as, as the ball lies today, I like it. I like us going up there winning the ball game. And so now all of a sudden you start thinking, you lose to South Carolina, you beat Furman, and you put together a three-game losing streak. Goodness gracious, right? Is Beamer Ball going to be in trouble? No, obviously not this year. But I think there will be some people off the bandwagon. This is a brutal schedule. I mean, it honestly is. Not just kind of like the old Miss thing. Not just because of who you play, but when you play them. Let's say you're one and three after playing Mississippi State, and you lose Tennessee. You're one and four. Well, your reward from that is you go and host Florida, who will be desperate too. And who knows what kind of shape Spencer Rattler is in at that point? You know, the good thing is they get the bye week before that ball game. Then you got to travel to Missouri, a team that beat you handily last year. Then you go to College Station which is a weird cross-sectional um, permanent opponent for them. And then, then you get Jacksonville State. Then you get Vanderbilt at home, and you get Kentucky, and then you close out against Clemson. And so we start counting this. You start looking at the back end of the schedule and say, yeah, there's probably some wins there, but you know, what kind of shape is that team going to be in when they get there? Now, I know last year Shane surprised me. He's an extremely intelligent guy. He's a great football coach. They'll be well coached. I just think there are too many question marks about this team. And when you look at the schedule, I think 7-5 and five is really, really optimistic, to be quite honest with you. Let's count it down together. We're going to call North Carolina a loss. Now, I won't be surprised if South Carolina wins. And that's going to be September the 2nd. After we beat Southeastern Louisiana, we can come home and watch that game on ABC. It'll be interesting to see how this game shakes out. It's a toss-up game, but I'm going to go with North Carolina. It may feel differently once we get there. 
They'll beat Furman, one and one. They'll lose at Georgia, one and two. And again, I'm going to go ahead and give Mississippi State a win here, make it one and three. They're going to lose to Tennessee, one and four. I think Shane writes a ship. It sounds kind of crazy after the bye week, and I think Florida is going to be desperate. And I think Billy Napier is probably on the hot seat at this point. <laughs> Shane's not. I'm going to call South Carolina an upset here. And they're two and four. They go to Missouri. I'm not sold on that Missouri group, and I think it's a good matchup because of the fact Missouri has good receivers. South Carolina expected to have a good secondary. Let's call South Carolina win here. So now you've got three. All right, can you get bowl eligible? Well, you got to go to College Station. I'm going to go to College Station. I'm going to go to Texas A&M. So you're not getting the dub there. Then you get Jacksonville State. That's a dub. Should be, right? That's your fourth win. You host Vanderbilt, I think that's the fifth win. And I think Kentucky is – South Carolina will have to beat Kentucky to get bowl eligible. And just because of the fact that uh, I think Shane is a guy that has gotten better down the stretch each year, I'm going to give them a dub here and lose to Clemson. Uh, So I think that's a six-and-six year. If they find a way to beat Mississippi State or win one of the toss-up games, they could be a seven-and-five team. I think they take a step back this year. And it's not just because of the fact I think people have to take them more seriously. I think the fact when you look at this team, there are too many question marks in a very physical line of scrimmage league. They're not going to be able to run the football with authority, and they're going to struggle to stop the run. And when you can get three, four, five yards of carry, why would you ever pass? Right? And then not to mention you've got a rebuilt offensive line that struggles run blocking. All of a sudden you get behind the chains – Teams are going to turn the dogs loose on you, and it could be some wear and tear on your quarterback. I think it's going to be a step back this year. Again, probably a bowl team, but probably ends up, you know, Liberty or somewhere like that. That's how I see it today. Now, of course, over the totality of the season, things change because you know, I mean, who knew last year South Carolina would play Kentucky without Will Levis and ultimately get a W? You, you never knew that. When we picked it at the beginning of the year. We said, yeah, Kentucky will win this game. So you never know from one week to the next it's going to happen. Uh, but, again, I think Shane Beamer is going to be fine there if they leave him alone. And I think Shane's also a guy, too, that uh, is a great motivator and evaluator and uh, developer of talent. I think he surrounded himself with good coaching. But I do think this year is a step back. All right, let's get ready to get out of here. But uh, before we go, let me remind you, too, if you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com. I have people all the time that say, Steve, how can we support you? Well, there are a multitude of ways of doing that, but uh, buying the books is always great. Subscribing to the website, jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. But go to whenthebottomfalls.com. If you or anybody you know has been impacted by addiction or alcoholism or anything like that at all, or maybe you just want to hear a good underdog story or hear a story of redemption, go read that. If you're looking for sports books, and it's amazing, like I, I travel around and see bookstores and they'll have like a book or two or whatever, and they say, oh, you know, we've sold these and sold that. Uh, there are more books out there to be, to be had. The sports books are all available at that same URL, whenthebottomfalls.com. You can get Flim Flam, Dogpile, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs right there. Bloomsville Leander, of course, available to Amazon for a limited time only. That's uh, about to expire. Uh, but be sure and check that out. And again, Stark Villains gear available at StarkVillains.com. But uh, if, you know, please pre-order the book. And uh, it's finished up. It's everything's in the can now. And so we'll have a release date on the print. You know, once they 
get it all in and get it set and everything else. They'll send the data to the publisher and they'll relay that, that to me. But uh, it's been running about five weeks. And so if everything is on track, that means you know, we're probably looking late September, which is what we've talked about now for several weeks. So pre-order and you'll get it then. And I know some people just you know, want to come say hello, and, uh, but there are other people that live around the country. And so I just encourage you, please buy the book. All right. Um, so let's take a look at this uh, Chris Simonis thing. Had a chance to speak with Chris earlier today. Talked about the portal. You know, how are you going to utilize these guys, right? You know, Nate Lamb is the guy, obviously, that uh, the first guy in the portal before we even had a pitching coach. And you think, well, you know what? He was smart to jump on that, you know. But you also think, too, you know, uh, Lamonis is kind of saddling the pitching coach with a guy that maybe he didn't pick out. I think when you got a left-hander that's 6'4", 6'5", that's throwing mid-90s, I don't think there's a pitching coach in the country who'd be like, nah, I don't want him. Uh, left-handers are hard to find, especially guys who throw a big velo, and he does. Now, the question is going to be, what kind of adjustment does he have to make to go from Division II to the Southeastern Conference? I think it's pretty significant. But, you know, you look at Ole Miss last year, similar scenario. And I don't think we expect to make Nate Lamb a weekend starter. I think he's probably a matchup guy, middle reliever. Uh, one of those guys, too, like, you know, maybe you start Gerangelo uh, as a right-hander. And then uh, after he gets you through the order three times, you need somebody to bridge the gap uh, to the back end. And they can go in there and chew up those left-handers. I mean, that, that makes sense to me. But uh, I like it as a piece. And, again, I, I said then he wasn't, you know, being forecast as a weekend starter. But he is a guy that we expect to pitch on weekends. I, in addition to that, uh, you had Carson Ligon. And, and uh, one of the things that Chris shared, too, I think is interesting, is uh, beginning of the year, he was a different pitcher. He was a Friday night guy at Miami. And it's amazing, like, some of our people just, like, they think he's scratching dead. He's really not. Uh, he was a guy that had some shoulder stiffness this year, came back a little bit too quick, wasn't quite the same. Now he's had plenty of time to rest. Uh, he tells me he's back to 100%. He's ready to roll. I'm eager to see what Justin Parker can do with him. This is Carson Ligon from his own admission says he's never, ever worked with anything analytical. He's never had anybody work with him to say, hey, you change this grip a little bit, change this release point a little bit, and then we're going to get greater RPMs and get greater sync. So it's all brand new to him. And, again, this is a guy that was an established weekend starter in a pro baseball conference, the ACC, a very, very big baseball conference over there. And so there is some reason for optimism there when you begin to think about that. It's like he's going to have more technology available to him to fine-tune his game than he's ever had at any point in his career. And out of high school, everybody in the country wanted this guy. And the portal, nearly everybody in the country wanted this guy. It's, it's incredible to think about, you know, sometimes we focus so much on what we didn't get and we forget about what we did get. And I think Carson Liggins is a guy that can really help us. Could he be your Friday night guy? He certainly has that kind of potential. It's going to depend on what he does this fall, and I'm eager to see him pitch. Our Cal Stevens, a guy we've talked about regularly on the show out of Purdue. A guy, again, that uh, a lot of connections around him. But this is another guy, too, that uh, you know has played summer ball with Bryce Young last summer, played with Hunter Hines this year. Uh, they both gave the Bulldog stamp of approval. I said, yeah, this is a big-time guy. Let's go get him. Probably a Saturday or Sunday guy for us. And that's the thing you start thinking about another guy that led a Power 5 program, even though it was a losing season last year, in nearly every statistical category as a pitcher. 
you know, had 14 starts last year. 12 of them were really good. A couple of them were absolutely outstanding. And two of them were forgettable. You know, just about every pitcher in the country is going to have, uh, not named Paul Skeen, is going to have at least one or two outings a year that you look at and say, you know what, that was an absolute clunker. Uh, but we get so caught up in all that stuff and sometimes don't look at the context. But, again, this is a guy, too, that kind of fit us culturally from a farming community up in Indiana. Uh, really liked Justin Parker. We had a lot of coaches that had connections to him. Uh, so this is a good get. And, again, anytime that you can bring in two Power Five weekend starters to your program, you got to do it. You got to do it. Now, are these guys bona fide Friday night guys? That remains to be seen. But both of those guys have thrown on Friday nights. They just hadn't done it in this league. So we'll see. But again, I think it's important to understand did we get better pitching wise? We absolutely did. We went out and got one of the best pitching coaches in America. And then we went out and added two Power Five starters to the weekend. Uh, that competition will only make everybody around them better. And then you see Nate Lamb as a guy that's an interesting piece. Uh, Johnny Long, of course, your catcher. And uh, Chris said that was one of the more difficult things, is kind of working through that. Because everybody that goes in the portal wants to play. And Johnny Long will get a chance to play. You know, maybe he's uh, your midweek catcher. Maybe he catches the front end of a doubleheader. I don't know. Uh, but this is a guy, too, that uh, everybody you talk to talks about how good he is in the clubhouse, what a great teammate he is. Uh, but he's a guy who can play a little bit, too. You know, And so it's a difficult deal when you've got a guy like Ross Highfield, who is a future big leaguer, uh, as your starting catcher. And how do you go out there and tell some, you know, junior or senior guy, hey, come here and play for us. You got a good chance to compete when you see Ross Highfield sitting there. So it took a special approach. It took a special player to agree to this arrangement. Of course, Jackson Owens here. Uh, so now we got three of these catchers uh, in town now. And then I guess the fourth one just showed up too, uh, uh, former Tulane commit uh, Spilletta. But um, – you know, you feel good about that piece of it now. You went from having four scholarship catchers to one. Now you're back to four. Uh, in addition to that, of course, uh, you know, Logan Kohler, and uh, he is a guy that, uh, you know, we kind of sat on that story for a long time, and I was, you know, didn't want to do too much uh, to kind of shine a light on it, but I'm, I'm, I started a thread weeks before he committed. It said this is a situation we're monitoring, and I just put a link to a tweet where he hit a home run against Ole Miss. And uh, just kind of sharing that, you know, with people. This is a deal he had to navigate through some academic stuff to ensure that he was going to be a graduate transfer and uh, to be able to get things done to facilitate the transfer because he's already utilized his one-time transfer. So this will be his third school. Uh, but he is a guy, too, that uh, as other people around this conference have said, one of the things they like about Logan Kohler is this is a guy that's going to make the routine play. It's a guy that's going to go out there and grind out at bats, Guy's got some pop in the bat, uh, probably a 10 home run guy, maybe a 30, 35, 40 RBI guy, uh, kind of depending on what happens in front of him. But a lot of people in baseball around this league have said, you know what, hey, Mississippi State needed a break at third base. They got a really solid contributor in Logan Kohler. I tend to agree. And I'm eager to see what he looks like on the diamond. It's like how many times last year did you see a ball hit to the left side and you just held your breath? Wouldn't it be nice not to have to do that? It's like your pitcher goes up there and grinds through any bat and rolls up a ground ball, and then we let it go through our through our legs, or we can't field it or we throw it away. Wouldn't it be nice to have a guy over there that could just could make the play? You know, maybe he's not Mike Schmidt or Brooks or Brooks Robinson, but he's a guy that can just simply make the play. 
make the routine play, make a simple play. That's one of the things I tell you about baseball. If you can just make the routine play, you're going to win, you know, probably 60% of the time. Just make the routine play. We couldn't make the routine play. Uh, the big, you know, the glaring loss here, the, the miss, obviously, is the Friday night deal. You know, we didn't go get a bona fide Friday night guy. And, again, talking to people around the league, there was only about a half dozen of those guys in the portal. And uh, our record the last two years is part of that deal. And you got to think Justin Parker, of course, uh, kind of working from behind when he got here because it took some time for us uh, to get him hired. And so it's tough to build those relationships so quickly. So we were kind of fighting from behind. That was a factor. Uh, with some guys. I still think Luke Holman's one of those things. It just kind of made sense for him to come here. It didn't work out. He's headed to LSU, so now we got to deal with him. And as great as Braden Montgomery is, I think that's the bigger loss for us, is losing Luke Holman. So they're on the board even before all this began to unfold. Uh, Luke Holman is a big-time player. Uh, is he Paul Skeens? No, he's not. Uh, but that's a guy, too, you go out there because of his maturity and his demeanor. You feel like, I can put him out there on Friday. He's going to eat up, give me six, seven innings and probably leave with a lead or at least the game in hand, or at least within reach. Braden Montgomery, in many respects, was uh, you know, a guy I think probably Mississippi State fans, if we'd got Braden Montgomery, people would probably already be uh, you know, planning to, uh, to host a regional and perhaps a super. You know, that's how significant it was. But uh, did we have to have an outfielder? No. Would I have liked to have had one? Yes. Did I want to be Braden Montgomery? You better believe it. Didn't work out. But the reality of it is, is uh, now we know who our team is. And we're going to start baseball practice on Wednesday. Yeah, that's how quick it's happening. Fall baseball is already here. You know, so it, it's interesting, too. You navigate through the end of the season, and you're immediately having to go to work on portal recruiting. And that changes daily, right, because there's new names that flow through every day, and you got to break down film. you got to see if you got connections. Then you got to navigate through the draft, uh, in addition to recruiting your own players from going to the portal. And you got to hope that your signees come to school and that your other players won't sign a bad deal uh, to leave. And then now all that's done, and uh, we're in camp, right? I mean, that's how quickly it all happens. And uh, before you know it, man, think about this. You're six months away from college baseball. The good thing is we got, uh, you know, football to kind of eat up that time for us, right? And we need some things to cheer about. You know, the wife and I talked about that a couple times this uh, last couple days. She goes, it feels like forever since we've played anything. And it does. We need something to feel good about. And I think it's time now, you know, can kind of give baseball a break, let those guys work a little bit. You know, we'll do some updates, you know, monthly. Let's kind of check in, see how guys are doing. We're going to cover the scrimmages. But I think this fan base needs some things to celebrate. I think there's a little baseball fatigue right now uh, because we love it so much and we're so frustrated we haven't got to, you know, the – the return on the investment emotionally and financially, right? So let's kind of put the pause on that for a little bit. Let's kind of, as they say, let's put a pin in that and let's focus on football. I think we got a chance to have a really good year. As you guys are well aware, I'm very optimistic about the staff, not just this year and beyond. I think next year is going to be a challenging year. But we got a very advantageous schedule, and my hope is as we work through some of these SEC football previews, like we did today with South Carolina, I think you begin to realize, you know what, hey, there's some pretty good matchups out there for us. And, of course, things change week to week due to the health of your team. But I think people are going to realize as we get into this season, I don't think people are really prepared for what Mississippi State's going to do. And we got to take care of the football. we got to stay healthy. we got a very experienced roster. we got eight games at home. And you guys are, again, showing, as we talked about the first segment of the show, you guys are going to show up. 
And there are going to be a lot of people that come into Davis Wade Stadium are going to be thinking, oh, we're playing Mississippi State, and the ground is going to swallow them whole because Arnett and Matt Brock are going to be blitzing from the locker room, and every time there's a big play, you guys are going to ring this cacophonous, if that's a word, rage down upon them. It's a very difficult place to play, especially when we get a lead. And we're going to get the chance to do that eight times this year. And we'll see how things go. But uh, I think it's important for people to understand this is a football team that's capable of some really good things. And so when I see the 6-6 six and six and 7-5 and five, uh, prognostication from some of our own fans, I like to think those are made out of ignorance or perhaps insecurity. Because I'm telling you, this is a, this is a team that's capable of much more than that. And I, and I think that you're going to see that as we get into it. All right, that's going to do it for today. Again, sorry it's so late, but uh, it is summertime. And, I'm, again, I'm navigating through a lot of things right now. I look forward to just being able to do the Jeans Page Boneyard job for a while, to be quite honest with you. The books things are done. We'll do some book signings during the holidays, do some game day signings and things like that. But the reality of it is uh, my responsibilities for that writing process are done. We're finished with that. And so I can kind of move that away. And then, uh, of course, this thing with the uh, – you know, the wife's true rest franchise, you know, we're starting to kind of get that into the hands of some other people. So we're kind of pushing, you know, pushing some things toward the middle of the table. And, uh, you know, she'll be home, uh, perhaps for good, uh, in about six weeks or so. I mean, we're back and forth right now. We're making it work. But uh, the reality of it is uh, I'm so looking forward to football season. And I, I know you guys are as well. And, uh, you know, we've got to cover everything. But I tell you this. When, as we get closer to game day, my mood gets better. Honestly. And, and I don't know that I can say that about, as much as I love baseball. I mean, there are times, especially when we're not doing well, it's like, oh, i got to go back out here again. I love it, man. But, man, oh, my gosh. Football's completely different. And, uh, you know, we get bigger crowds. We get more people in town. And I'll be honest with you, when Friday mornings when I'm riding around or Friday afternoon going to get lunch and all of a sudden the town begins to fill up, it does something to man, my mental health. And I'm like, man, my, my people are here, right? My fans are here, right? My bulldogs are here. That's how I feel. Like, as you guys show up and other people around town like, oh, the traffic, I love it. I do all my shopping, so I don't have to go to Walmart on the, on the weekends, right? But I, I love when you guys come because you bring so much energy to town because we're all going to be at the same place celebrating the same thing cheering for the same team. That's exciting to me. And, I, and I'm so grateful that Zach Arnett's first season, ticket sales are going as well as they are. And, and really tip of the captain, Mike Ritchie, and his crew, and uh, marketing and everybody else. But uh, it's not just enough to buy the tickets. We need you to show up and come be a part of this. And uh, it's so good to talk about football. And it's so good to know it's that close. Three weeks from Saturday. We're going to gather at Davis Wade Stadium. It's going to be hot. Go ahead and start hydrating now. And we're going to go out there and we're going to get the season off on the right foot. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.